good to see you. It's good to see you. Come on, it's good to see you. Hey, man, I'm excited to be in the house today with you. If you were here waiting to hear Pastor Kevin, I'm sorry. I want to apologize up front. He's a lot taller than I am and a little bit wider. And he's a whole lot louder. And man, my man could put it in the key, the key of A flat and hoop all over the place. So you, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to come back next week for that because I, no matter how hard I try, I, can't, I cannot do it. And besides, Julian ain't even here yet. So I'm, I'm not even gonna try to pretend, okay? But just, uh, it's, it's an honor to stand in this pulpit. It really truly is. We have one of the greatest preachers, the greatest apostles the world over. Somebody, yes. Yes, we have the greatest. He and Pastor Devin are the greatest, uh, I believe, the greatest voices in the nation today. I believe that the grace gift that is upon their lives, I mean, they are in New York right now taking territory. They are in New York right now taking territory. I mean, who do, what pastor goes and runs around New York everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread? Somebody, come on. We don't have preachers that just preach it. They live it. Somebody, come on. So I just want to give honor where honor is due and honor them before we get into the word because they are just, I wouldn't be here without them. Amen. If you would, please turn with me to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to get right into this. I come to you today with a word. I come to you today with a word. This is not a sermon. This is a word. How do I know it was a word? Because when the Lord told me to preach it this morning, last night at about 11 o'clock, I was going through my notes and praying in the Holy Ghost while I was lying in my bed. And something, something dark walked in the room. So much so that the dog stood up at the edge of the bed. This is the truth before the Lord. And fear tried to overtake me but I'm telling you I'm telling you right now Jehovah Jehovah stepped into the room Jehovah stepped into the room and told that devil that he had to go amen so I know that I come to you today with a word and so uh, with me if you would Luke chapter 4 verse 1 when you got it say word word then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm going to say it one more time because the word is good. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he was full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Father, I pray right now that you would bestow upon me the anointing that makes preaching powerful. I pray, God, that you would take a horn of oil and pour it upon my head, Father. I pray that you would take a coat from your altars and place it upon my lips, that I would profess the word of the Lord. The oracles of heaven would flow forth, piercing the heart of every individual within its hearing, Father. I pray, God, that the word would be made manifest, Father, that fruit would be bore 
in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, God, I decrease that you might increase. Uh, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that there would be less of me and all of you, Father. I pray right now that the yoke-breaking anointing, the fetter-loosing anointing, Father, the chain-breaking anointing would be upon me and in the room. In Jesus' mighty name and everybody in the house said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ha, the wilderness, the wilderness. That's what the Lord told me to preach on is the wilderness. In fact, uh, I've been wrestling with this for the better part of a few weeks. And I asked the Lord, why would you have me to preach on the wilderness. Can I preach on the anointing? Can I preach on the goodness of the Lord? Can I preach on that my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Can I preach on something other than the wilderness? And the Lord said, no. I said, all right, God. All right, Lord. So I'm wanting to start praying about this word. And it was there when I was reminded that three years ago this week, the whole world was thrust into a wilderness. We are stepping into this week an anniversary that the whole world was catapulted into a wilderness. Now, I'm the type of preacher that wants to hear you talk back. So I want to hear you. I want to dialogue with y'all. I want to know that the word is landing. Okay? So I would, if I could, just bestow it upon you to to press in with me and talk back to me it would be a huge help and get us to point z real quick okay so just uh, we are on that moment of of celebration if you will uh, 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 that we had gone into a wilderness and you say celebration watch where i'm going watch where i'm going Because the thing about wildernesses is that you're either coming out of one in the middle of one or you're about to go into one. How many people been in a wilderness before? How many people feel like we're still in a wilderness? A little bit. Okay. There's something about a wilderness. There's something about a wilderness that we must understand because if we don't understand what God is doing in the wilderness, then we're going to bypass what God wants for our lives. And I'm not about bypassing anything that God has for me. I don't want somebody, I don't want to walk past what God has for me. Just because the wilderness is not wanted does not mean that they are not of God. Too often we mislabel and misdiagnose our wildernesses as if it were something that the enemy took us to. So many times we misread our wilderness seasons, but I'm here to tell you today that the wilderness is not of the devil. The wilderness is not of the devil. You can't show me through scripture where someone has stepped in the wilderness, void God. I encourage you, I encourage you, I am, just find it, find it. We're a saint, a man or woman of God walked into a wilderness and was absent of the Holy Ghost, was absent of God. Show it to me. You have to go through a wilderness 
You got to go through the wilderness. If you want to get to God, you got to get through a wilderness. If you want all of what God has for you, you have to go through the wilderness. Jesus tells me in Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Paul says in Galatians that he had to be crucified with Christ. Jesus says in John, remember what I told you, a safe servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, then they will persecute you also. If we are not able to be disciples of his, escaping the cross, or children of his, and circumvent persecution, then what makes us believe that we can bypass the wilderness? problem is is that we have been preached a a a false a false gospel i'm just being real with y'all we've been preached a gospel that says that uh you're gonna live your best life now a gospel that says oh if it's if it's something wrong then you you must get back in your prayer closet because because you missed god we've been preached this gospel that is void hardship but I'm telling you there's something that happens in the hardship of a wilderness. There is something that happens when you go through the wilderness. It's a prerequisite. If I had to title this message, it would be the necessity of a wilderness. You gotta have it. The necessity of a wilderness. The mere fact that we are in a wilderness says to me that I got a future. I'm telling y'all, man, I've been through some wilderness seasons in my life. I've been some, through some wilderness seasons where I have felt like the devil was breathing down my neck. I have been through some wilderness seasons where I wanted to die. I have been through some wilderness seasons where I felt alone, void the presence of the Lord. I've been through some wilderness seasons that were crushing on all sides, but I'm here to tell you today that if you have a wilderness or if you are in a wilderness, then you have a destiny. The problem is, is that people get stuck in their wilderness and turn what should have been a season into a life sentence. I'm not here for a life sentence. This is only but a season. This too shall pass. This too, I, ha, ha, ha. This too shall pass. I'm preaching to somebody in this room. There's somebody watching on live stream that you have resigned yourself to your wilderness season and you have turned it into a cycle and I'm here to break the cycle. Come on. We're here to break the cycle. So this morning I'm here just to give you a few points, a few things, just to help you identify where you're at in your wilderness. Hopefully to give you some instruction. You may not be in it now, but like I said, if you're not in it now, there will be a season where you'll step into the wilderness. So I'm here today to give you a few points to help you identify where you are in the wilderness some some blueprints on how to get out of the wilderness 
because the enemy doesn't want you to know the blueprints. He doesn't want to, you to know the plan. He doesn't want you to know what's necessary to be victorious over your wilderness. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down point one. The wilderness is a place of separation. It's a place of separation. Notice what I said there, separation. The wilderness is a place of separation. Separation, look at your neighbor and say separation. Notice how I didn't say isolation. Notice how I didn't say isolation. See, the enemy would love to get you to think that you're alone, that you're isolated by yourself. Look at 2020, somebody. How, oh, oh, 2020. Suicide was on the rise. People were dealing with depression because they thought that they were isolated and alone. That was the voice of the enemy telling you that you were by yourself. I'm telling you this was not a season. This was not a season of isolation. It was a season of separation. Read the text. It says Jesus was led, not left. He was led, not left. What you think, the Holy Ghost is going to lead you into a wilderness and leave you there? It says he was baptized and full of the Holy Ghost. What, the, the Holy Ghost all of a sudden decided to jump, off, jump out? Abandoned ship? No. No, he was led, not left. And right now I cancel the assignment of the lie of the enemy that says that you are alone. I cancel, I'm here, I'm telling you this is a word. This is a word. I, there are some people in this room and under the sound of my voice watching on live stream that have been enduring a season and the lie of the enemy has been resounding and reverberating in your ear and you have been, uh, uh, it, it happened in 2020, but you are still suffering the effects and the aftermath. I cancel the voice of the enemy that is telling you that you are alone because I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Somebody. The Bible says, for it is the Lord God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Somebody. And the steps of a good man or woman are ordained by the Lord. And if he's led you there, he's not going to leave you there. And I'm sorry I am passionate about this, but I'm telling you, this is the tactic of the enemy. I have seen too many men and women of God believing the lie of the enemy, telling them that they are alone. Devil, I serve notice on you. I take authority over you. You have no authority over the saints of God. The psalmist penned, if I make my bed in heaven, there you are with me. If I make my bed in Sheol, there you are with me. You cannot escape the goodness of the Lord. You cannot escape the presence of God. So look at your neighbor and tell him I'm not alone. Hey, hey, Yabas. Look at your other neighbor and tell him you're not alone. You're not alone. Hey, Bashatabasu. 
We have to understand why we are in the wilderness. You have to understand why you've been led there. God doesn't do anything without a purpose. You're not here without a purpose. You ask somebody under the sound of my voice, you were not born an accident. You are here on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. The wilderness season is a season for separation. It's intended to remove us from the volume of the voices that have been louder than God's in your life. The volume of the voices. Too often we listen to voices. Come on, MSNBC, Fox News, Twitter, Facebook. We're listening to news resources. We're listening to voices in the media, voices around us that are telling us something other than the voice of God for our lives. It is intended to separate us from those voices so that it can amplify the voice of the Father in our lives. Look at your neighbor and say, I got a future. It's in order that he separate us because how many got some friends that when you start telling them about what God's plan for your life is, what the word of the Lord is over you, that they can't celebrate that with you? I do, I'm, I, come on, I has talked to me. I had some friends. I had some friends in my life that when I... When God chose to separate me, it was out of necessity because he had to remove me from the voices that were not in tune in on the same frequency with where God was taking me. These voices, you can see it in their face. Oh, 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 the face tells, oh man, it's hard to hide. It's hard to hide. Oh, it's hard to hide behind the face. There are times where God said, I'm taking you here, Chris. I'm going to do this in your family. I'm going to do this for you. I'm taking you to a place. I'm taking you to a place where you're going to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I'm going to take you and I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to turn around what the enemy meant to do to evil for you. And I'm going to turn it around for your good. And when I began to repeat this, when I began to repeat the word of the Lord, I didn't even know who I could call. I went up, grabbed my phone, and I said, oh, man, the word of the Lord is this. And I started going through my scrolodex, and I didn't know who I could call because I said, I'm going to call this person. Nope, I can't call that person because they're not going to understand. I'm going to call this per. I'm going to call her. Nope, nope, I can't call her because she's not going to get it. Ah, she's not going to get it. There are times where God spoke to me so clearly and told me he was going to do something. And in my excitement, in my celebratory moment, I made some phone calls and the word of my friends was in opposition to the word of the Lord. They began to reason. How many know we don't serve a God of reason? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I serve a God whose promises are yes and amen. I don't have those friends in my life anymore, and I encourage you to remove them as well. Because where God is taking you, if you want out of the wilderness, if you want to get out of the wilderness, that's step one. If you want out, that's step one. Remove the voices that are in opposition with your destiny. Look at your neighbor and tell them the necessity of a wilderness. 
There's another story in the Bible of a wilderness. In fact, there's a few. I'm reminded of a story over in Exodus. A story of separation. A story where Moses, standing by a burning bush, had been delivered from the Egyptians. And I am reminded of how when Moses was, uh, sometimes you got to be delivered from a place in order for you to go back and be a deliverer. Come on, somebody, somebody. And I'm reminded of this wilderness season of Exodus. 430 years, Moses and the people of God were bound in Egypt. 430 years. Do you know what that's? 430 years. Generation after generation after generation after generation. Keep going. After generation after generation. But separation was necessary. You can remove the child of God out of Egypt in one day, but it took a wilderness of 40 years to remove the Egypt out of the child of God. It was literally a three-day journey. Three days! Because of the inability to believe the word of the Lord over them, though, they had to wander for 40 years because they were continually listening to the voice of the enemy. The voice of Egypt reverberated louder than the voice of God. God says you're a mighty man and woman of valor, but the voice of shame from your past is keeping you in your wilderness. I'm here to declare this over somebody. Stop reminding the Lord of something he's already forgotten. Somebody in this room, you keep throwing it in God. I can't do this. I can't be this. I can't be anointed and appointed for for this is what I came from. This is who my mama was. This is who my daddy was. This is what I used to do. I used to be a drug addict. I used to wake up in the morning and and start my day with smoking cigarettes and drinking a beer. Uh, uh, Like Pastor Kevin says, a Tom Collins. You've been drinking bud, but you ain't getting any wiser. I'm just here to tell you right now that you cannot allow the voice of your past to dictate your future stop reminding the Lord of something he has already forgotten look at your neighbor and tell him I'm coming out in power I'm coming out in power that's why it's important that we know the voice of God and we hold on to it there are some people in this room and watching me online that you know the voice of God for your life you know what God has said there's somebody watching or in this room that you're you're a, you were called to be a psalmist God has inclined your ear to the sound of heaven And because of your past, you have disqualified yourself from your future. I'm telling you, you must know the voice of God and hold on to it. Satan will never ask you the question, does God speak? But he will always make you question what you heard. You knew what God said, but he'll come at you. Did God really say Did God really say? God called you a mighty man of valor. And he said, did God really say that? Did God really? You you get some faith and you come down to the altar. 
you get some faith and you start praying for some folk. And then you hear that voice. Come on, somebody. I'm not up here by myself. You hear that voice. Oh, are you really called to do that? Are you really, are you really a mighty man of valor? I saw, I saw you. I know your thoughts. I know, I know what you, I know what you're thinking. I know what you said. I know I saw you when you passed that car and you got upset. I saw you when you was cut off in that line. I saw you. I know, I know what you was thinking. Mighty man of valor, mighty man of valor. My, you need to shut the voice of the enemy up right now and heed the voice of the Lord and hold on to it. You see, just before Jesus was led into the wilderness, we see him being baptized by John. It says over in, if you got your words, you could turn. 321, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, in he the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And then we go over to chapter four, verse two. We ain't even out of the, I mean, verse two. I mean, we at the beginning. Being tempted for 40 days, the devil, by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry, and then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, come at, wait. If you are the son of God, I just, we just read the Lord descended upon him in the form of the holy, in a holy dove. And we hear him say, this is my son. And the devil will come at you and say, are you really? Are you really? You, I'm, hear my voice. You are a child of God appointed and anointed for such a time as this. The reason why the enemy is trying to get you to doubt what God has said is because if he knows that you ever step into your calling, if you ever step into the anointing that God has for you, that you will be the devil's worst nightmare. And this ain't no new trick. This is the old, literally the oldest trick in the book. Genesis, the beginning. God says if you eat from, you can eat any tree in this, in this garden. You can eat from anything in this garden. But if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. You will die. And then we see Satan slithering his way into the garden. Slithering his way up to Eve. And questioning, did you hear what you thought you heard. Did you really hear what you thought you heard? Did, did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? Did he really say you would surely? He just don't want you to be like him. He don't want you to be like him. I'm here to tell you, you must know the word of God. You must know the word of God and what God said over your life and hold on to it. Because when you step into a wilderness season, when you step into a wilderness season, oftentimes the voice of God will go quiet. And we discern the quietness of the Lord as an absence of the Lord. But I'm telling you today, it is not an absence of the Lord, it's a test. <laughs> My wife is a principal. 
She's the principal of the ARC Academy behind us. And oftentimes she has to give the state required tests and all the material was taught to the pupils. All the material was taught throughout the year to the students. And when it comes time for the test, God, like any good teacher, has to stay quiet if you are asking for the answers. He tests you to see if you are able to hold on to the very last thing that he said. If you ain't hearing God, I encourage you. I encourage you, hold on to the very last thing he said. This is why I believe we are living in a day and age. We are living in a day and age where church folk go from conferences to conferences. They go from church to church. They hop from goosebump to goosebump, mountaintop to mountaintop, looking for a word because they can't fathom the fact that they find themselves in a wilderness season. They can't fathom the fact that the Lord has led them into a wilderness. Oh, they're believing the lie of the enemy. They're believing the lie of the westernized church that says, oh, God wouldn't do this to you. God wouldn't do this to you. God, what do you mean God left you? You need to go search out a word. You need to go find prophet and a so-and-so and, and, and pastor so-and-so and conference leader so-and-so to get a word, to get a new and fresh word. But I'm telling you today and I'm here to tell you that if you don't have a word, hold on to the last thing that God said. Most of the time, God's not going to give you a new word because he's still waiting for you to perform the last thing he said. He's still waiting for you to operate in the last thing he said. God moves from glory to, you, to glory, and if you're over here stuck and you can't hear what he said and operate in that thing, he ain't going to give you new instructions. It's like Legos. It's like how many build snap tight models? They go point one, how, oh man, I've been putting some uh, uh, furniture together in Cleveland, Tennessee at the Cleveland campus. And the furniture that we bought, I'm telling you, 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 you need a, a degree to put it together. One of my desks came in six boxes, six different boxes. It's a desk that like a stand, it ain't nothing, it's just a desk, six different boxes. But if I skip a step, when putting it together, if I skip a step when putting it together, I, I, I can't, the thing's not going to stay together. It's not going to do what was it intended to do. There'll be a drawer on the floor by itself. Mason will tell you, it took us hours to put the desk together. The door, the, I can't leave the drawer on the floor over in the corner with the desktop over the couch looking like a dinner table. No, you got to go step one, step two, step three, step four. You can't jump ahead with the Lord because the... You can't jump ahead with the Lord. That's not how God works. You ain't going to jump ahead. You can't skip a step. The necessity of a wilderness. The reality is that the wilderness is there to develop the character necessary to carry the call. I've seen too many ministries birthed in a gift. Too many ministries birthed from a gift. And then we wonder why they don't last. 
You can't forfeit the wilderness. Look at your neighbor and say, this is my wild side. This is my wild side. You're going to start wearing the wilderness like a badge of honor. You're going to, because it's, oh, it's what qualifies you instead of a diploma. This is my wild side. This is my wild side. If the enemy can get you to doubt what God said, then you will turn the place that God had intended to prepare you into a place that you will never walk out of. You got to have a word and God will never leave you without a word. I'm reminded of a story of Mephibosheth. I'm reminded of a story of a man named Mephibosheth. It was Jonathan's son, David's best friend's son. David wanted to show the king, wanted to show kindness. Oh, what a, what a thought, right? The king wanted to show kindness to Jonathan's family and he said is there any is there any that are descendants of Jonathan and his servant said yes there's one he's over in a place called Lodabar a place called Lodabar uh, his son named Mephibosheth and he says bring him here you see God will never leave you without a word the, that word Lodabar Dabar means word Lo means no literally the place of no word and I'm telling you, if you are in a place of no word, there's a king. There is a king. There's a king who will not leave you there without a word. He'll never leave you in a place without a word. Because the word of the Lord, again, is yes and amen over your life. Point two. If you're taking notes, point two. The wilderness is a place of preparation. It's not intended to kill you. It's intended to prepare you. Prepare you for what? Something great. Ooh, there's something great. Hey, where's my expectation? Where's my, there's something great in store for you. There is something great in the future. There is something great that God has and is ready to bestow upon you. But you gotta get out of the wilderness. You gotta get out of the wilderness. It is designed, like I said, to, 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 to shape, mold, to, to, to chisel away the things that are unusable by God. The Bible says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. It is a place of purifying. It is a place of preparation. There's something on your life that has to be developed in the wilderness. There's an anointing on your, come on, talk to me, Joseph. Everybody looks at this story, Joseph, as like he was some underdog. He was some poor little Joseph. He had a coat of many colors. And then he was picked on by his older brothers, thrown into a hole. No, no, read the text. Joseph kept coming back to his brothers with these dreams that God was giving him. Ah, yeah, some dreams that God was giving them that, he was, that he, he was conveying to them. And instead of them being celebratories, instead of them standing next to Joseph and saying, I see that for your life, they were dream assassins. And they said, oh, I can't have this. We can't have this. And he continued to come before them. 
It's not a story of an underdog. It's a story of character development. It's a story of character development. The pit was intended to, ve- to develop Joseph's character. The prison was intended to develop Joseph's character because God knew that he had a purpose and a plan for Joseph to deliver a nation. But in order to be able to deliver a nation, he had to have some things stripped away from him. He had to have deal, let God deal with some arrogance because how many knows the wilderness will take some arrogance out of you? When you find yourself in the wilderness, ah, yes, it'll take you down a few notches. When you find yourself in the wilderness, it'll take you from who, ah, it'll keep you from thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Ah, uh, I look at the wilderness as a place that produces oil. How many people want the fire? How many people want the fire? There's a, there's a people, a remnant who want the fire, but you can't have the fire without the oil because if you have the fire without the fire, it's strange fire. If you have the fire without the oil, it is strange fire. And the oil is only produced through the crushing. You can't bypass the crushing. You can't buy the oil. Oh, you can't buy the dove. Oh, you can't buy the dove. You can't buy the oil. There's somebody in this room under the sound of my voice that you've been wrestling with God in your wilderness season. You've been wrestling with the Lord for the oil. You've been wrestling with the Lord for the fire. You've been wrestling. It's been a wrestling match. And I'm telling you that you are coming out full of power. You are coming out full of power. Somebody got a towel. I didn't think I was going to sweat. The wilderness is a place that's intended to change your diet. Write this down. It's a place where God intends for us to change our diets. The children of God went from Egypt, eating the diet of Egypt, to finding themselves in the wilderness, and now they're beginning a new diet of what is this? Manna literally means, I'll take it, I don't even care. Microfiber and all. It literally means, what is this? God has to change your diet in order to take you where you're going. You gotta change your diet. Too many people try to eat Big Macs and fake chicken nuggets and run marathons with the Lord. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Too many people have a diet of the world, a secular diet, and they think that they can go where God wants to take them. Mm, mm -mm. Mm -mm. Jesus, hungry, fasted for 40 days. And let me tell you, this church, we a church that likes to fast. You're like, why is this church fast so much? Oh my gosh, every time I turn around, Pastor Devin's calling a fast. Oh, there's so much that we ain't eating here. Because there's a potency to pushing away the plate. There's a potency to pushing away the plate. This thing's got to die. We talked about surrender. Lacey sent a text to Crystal and I yesterday about surrender. This is what I believe that's the word of the Lord for this hour is surrender, but the flesh can't surrender. 
No, the flesh has to die. This thing will never surrender. Your spirit will surrender, but the flesh has to die. The flesh must die. It doesn't have the ability to surrender. The flesh wants to do one thing, and that's to satisfy the flesh. And if you want to go where God's taking you, you got to change your diet. And the only way to kill the flesh is to change the diet. Let me say this, too, about hunger. God will always cause you to change your diet before you step into your next season, but the enemy will always come at you while you're hungry. If you are hungry for something more than you are hungry for God, then the enemy will come at you with that very thing. If you want a title, the enemy will come at you with a title. If you're hungry for a title, if you're hungry for a spouse, more hungry for a spouse than you are for God, then the enemy will come at you with a spouse that looks like uh, uh, it's all perfect and it's all well and good, but it's an imposter. Everything that you are more hungry for than you are hungry for the, the will of God for your life, the enemy will try to entice you with that very thing. He will try to entice you with that thing by dangling it in front of your face, saying, this is it. Because it's it's right here. The blueprint's right here. The blueprint's right here. Jesus hungered, and he said, hey, if you're hungry, turn this stone into bread. He'll come at you with the thing that you hunger for most. And so I'm just, I release this in the atmosphere. If there's somebody that's in this room under the sound of my voice that has been dealing with a, you've been hungry for something and you've not seen it yet, be careful that you don't become more hungry for that thing than you do God. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Oh, be careful. There's a church, there's a church right now that that may call you, I I see this thing. There's a church that's going to call you and you think that you're, uh, I'm hungry for to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor so bad. I want to go and pastor people. I want, I want to, if you become more, oh, if you become more hungry for ministry than you do God. Hey, if you become more hungry for ministry than you do the anointing. If you become more hungry for those things than you do the hunger in you for God, then I'm telling you, I'd be real careful about packing up that U-Haul. The wilderness is a place of a dietary shift. It's like a pro fighter. I'm almost done. Like a pro fighter. If I'm gonna walk in the ring with Mayweather, I'm not going to get milkshakes. If I'm going in the, in the, in the ring with Tyson, first of all, you gotta be out your mind, but then if you're, gonna, if, if you're gonna be called to go in the ring with Tyson, this joker ain't eating quarter pounders. No, you're gonna see me. You're gonna see me eating lettuce and chicken, boiled chicken with no seasonings on it. You're gonna see me change my diet real fast. Cause if even I stand a chance, I gotta change the diet. You know before astronauts go into space, they gotta change their diet? They gotta change their diet. The dietary shift is necessary in order for astronauts to launch into space. And it's not even for the journey, it's for the destination. Ah, God's called us from, to go from glory to glory, right? 
Ah, it's not just for the journey. Too many of us, oh, we're going to fast for the journey, but once I get to the destination, ah, ah, I'm going to cease that. I'm going to stop that foolishness. Uh, so many people have a need in their life. So many people have a desire in their life for God to do something great. God, I need you to move in my life. I need a breakthrough in my life. I need something to happen and shift in my life. I'm going to fast for it. I'm going to fast for it. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to turn off the television. I'm going to turn off the phone. I'm going to get in and tuck in with you, oh God. I'm going to change my diet. And the moment that you step into this new season, you go back to eating the same mess. You go back to eating the same mess you ate before. And then you think you're going to maintain that trajectory. You're going to maintain that purpose for your life. No, that's not how God works. That's not how God works. If you want to soar with eagles, you got to shift your diet. If you want to go where God's calling you to go, you got to shift your diet. And, and, and let me say this, it's not for you to do on your own. I'm full of what? The Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask the Holy Ghost to help me. I, there is nothing holy about me. I, my right, on my best day, my righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible says, right? I would agree. On my best day. But I got, I got something living on the inside of me. I got something living on the inside of me that if I want holy, Lord, make me holy. Lord, help me, Father, to maintain that diet. Oh, God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would help me to maintain what's necessary to be the best that I can be. In God's army. Right? Right? And I'm not talking about eating Foolishness. I'm talking about the eye gate and the ear gate. I'm talking about the eye gate and the ear gate. Be careful what you let in. Be careful what you let in. You can't even turn the television on these days without being bombarded by foolishness. You turn the commercial on and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm telling you, watch your eye gate, watch your ear gate, protect them at all costs. Protect them at all costs. You want out of the wilderness? Protect your eye gate and your ear gate. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful. Be careful in your preparation. Be careful in your preparation. This is it. Point three. The wilderness is a place of revelation. It's a place of revelation. Separation, preparation, and revelation. And it's not so much a place of revelation to you. I mean, you could learn some things in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. But it's not so much that as it is a place of revelation to your enemy. See, it becomes a place that God uses to reveal the anointing in you to your enemy. It's a place where God chooses to highlight you and what he's doing in your life. It's a place where God says, I, I'm doing something. And when you get past the, the separation and when you get past the preparation 
He's ready to reveal you to your enemy. He is ready to reveal you to those around you. It is in the first two where God does his handiwork, but it's in the third. It's in the third where God then uh, exalts you before your peers. It's, It's where God will exalt you and say, for this is my son, for this is who I've called to prophesy, for this is who I have called to set up a tent and perform healing miracles, for this is my son whom I filled, my daughter whom I filled with power. You need Bible? You need Bible for that? Luke 4.13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Wait a minute. Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What happened between verse 1 and verse 13 and 14? Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Y'all getting that? Jesus didn't get no more filled. The Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost. He had the anointing without measure. It's not like he got any more anointed. Jesus, the Son of God, where'd the power come from? How did he return in power? What happened? And that word power there is dynamite, dunamis, power, explosive power. Like a door just got kicked in. Power. What happened? How many know who Gary Keelan is? Right. I, 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 when I, I knew I was going to preach this, I wanted him to to be here today, because if you don't know who Gary Keelan is, some of our first time, Gary's un, un, unmissable. You can't miss Gary Keelan. My man is. My man walks through doors like this. Gary Keelan's a big dude. He was a member of the power team. How many know what the power team is? Right? My man could rip phone books in half, curl frying pans, rip license plates in half. You think Gary woke up one day like Hercules? No, no, no. He didn't wake up like Hercules one day. All of a sudden he went to bed eating Big Macs and French fries and woke up and was like, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. No, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Gary had to train. Gary had to work towards that. Gary had to make certain things happen in his life that were were requirements in order for him to maintain the strength and gain the strength necessary to be able to do those things. If you go over, like, and he still does those things. I mean, if you go over to the Hope House, there's like a whole, like, the bottom floor is like full of, like, weightlifting equipment over there. He he goes over there all the time. You drive past him, like, late at night, and you'll look in, and there's Gary. looking in the mirror, (laughs) lifting weights. But it's not the weights that gave the advantage. It's not the weights. Weights are weights. Weights ain't going to do nothing. Stand with me. Weights, Weights are weights. Weights aren't going to do anything. It's the resistance from the weights that produce the power necessary to do what God has for you to do. It's in that resistance. What's the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will... You want breakthrough in your life? 
you want to get out of the wilderness, we need to build up our resistance to the enemy. We need to build up the resistance because it's in the resistance where there is dunamis power. There is resistance for the devil to flee and not want to return. If you read this text, there's a power to persistent resistance. He didn't just resist him once, twice. We get in this thing where we just like, we think like I'm gonna resist the devil once or twice and he, no, no, you have to live a lifestyle of resistance. You have to live a life of resistance. I have to resist the devil and he will flee. Because if you look at this text, it says that he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Literally, the devil was saying, let's make a deal. How many know what that game, that game, let's make a deal. The devil was sitting here saying, let's make a deal. Let's play a game, let's make a deal. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna trade you this stuff, but I want you to do these things. I want, I'm gonna tempt you and if you fall to them temptation, if you, if you are, are willingly step into this, then I'll give you these things. So you have to be persistent in your resistance. And we see what happens here. He goes from wanting to make a deal with Jesus to turn with me over to, I don't know if they have it to put up. Verse 33, we ain't even out the chapter. A lot happens in Luke chapter four. We ain't even out the chapter. Can we put that in a happy key? Can we, can we, because I feel like we're going to praise our way out of this today. Somebody's going to be praising their way out of the wilderness today. This wilderness isn't a somber thing. Hey, I'm coming out. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of this thing. I'm coming out of this thing. While Jesus was in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And when he cried aloud or with a loud voice saying, let us alone, what have you to do or we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He goes, he goes from saying, are you really the Son of God? To I know who you are. Where, what, what, what happened? What, how? The power of the Holy Ghost is what happened. Every time the devil opened his mouth, he was met with resistance. Every time that voice enters your ear, resist the devil and watch the power of God. Somebody in this room has decided to break a cycle today. Somebody is determined that today is the last day you're going to go around that mountain. There's somebody in here today listening to the volume of the voice of your past and I cancel it right now in Jesus' name. There's a wilderness that you are coming out of. There is a wilderness that you are coming out of. This week ago, this week three years ago, this week three years ago, three, oh, oh, three. There's something about the number three, y'all. Hey, We sang about it. Lazarus, come. We sang about it. Oh, come on. Come on. There's a man that I knew. It sticks closer than a brother. There's a man that I know who, because of his resistance, the devil thought that he had him at the cross. The devil thought he had him at the cross. It says, what, he would come back at a more opportune time, right? He thought he had him. He thought that was his opportunity. But I, I'm telling you, when they buried Jesus, on day one, all hell was celebrating. 
On day one, all hell was celebrating. I believe on day two, the enemy was making plans for, for humanity and all the earth. I believe that he was making plans. He was making strategic plans to destroy it. But on day three, somebody on day three, there was a power in the tomb. I believe that the tomb illuminated with dunamis power. And I believe that the power, the power, the wonder working power of Jesus caused that tomb to open up. And my man stepped out in power. And that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. I'm calling somebody out today. I'm calling you out. Year one, the, the enemy thought that the church was going to be hiding. Year one, he thought he was going to destroy the church. Year one, he thought he had us. Year two, he said, this thing ain't never going back. I got him where I want him. But baby, we're in year three. And there's somebody coming out today. There's somebody, the church is coming out. You wonder why we're seeing revivals break out in college campuses because we went through the separation and the preparation and here we are in the revelation of who God is. I want you under the sound of my voice if you're in this room and you've been dealing with the wilderness season and you say today is the day, today is the day, I want you to run to the altar right now. There is a breakthrough, there is a breakthrough, there is a breakthrough, there is a breaking, there is a break into the altar right now. Hey, this is your moment, this is your moment, this is your moment, this is your moment. Do not miss your moment. Oh, you just stepped out. You just stepped out. You just stepped out. 